What's going on, everyone? Zane here with Everything Vibe. Want to welcome you back for another episode of the show. Today, we have an exclusive interview with Nils von Heine. And Nils, I hope I pronounced that correctly. I practiced it a bunch of times before recording this. But uh, Nils is from Survive Studios. They came out with the game Survive, and that is spelled S-V-R-V-I-V-E. And we've talked about this game before on the podcast. We talked specifically about the demo. There is a free demo available on Steam, as well as the full game, which came out just a couple weeks ago. So I hope you've had a chance to at least try out the demo and hopefully maybe even try the full game out because the game is a lot of fun. It reminds me a lot of The Gallery, uh, episode one, Call of the Starseed. And so anyone looking for an experience similar to that, I would highly recommend this game. We dive into the history of Survive, a lot of the details, but we also talk a lot about VR in general. I would like to apologize beforehand. My voice is a little rough because I was under the weather over the weekend. So if you'll excuse that, I hope that the rest of the interview is enjoyable, though. And yeah, without further ado, let's jump right in. Nils, how's it going? I'm good, thank you. How are you guys? Oh, doing fantastic. Got Ronnie. Ronnie, how's it going, man? I'm doing well. Yeah, it's uh, it's looking forward to the weekend and excited for the interview. For sure, for sure. So, Nils, I, I just gave a brief introduction for the game. Um, but first, I want to congratulate you and, you know, the, the release that you guys had just a couple weeks ago. And wanted to just dive right in, man, and let us know what was the whole inspiration? How did this game come about? Yeah, sure. Yeah, actually, it all started a little over six months ago uh, when me and Faviana, who's the CEO of, of our game studio, Survive Studios, uh, we went to, it's actually a funny story, we went to something called Escape Stories in Stockholm, Sweden, which is basically escape rooms, like a you know full-on mm-hmm. escape room experience. Uh, and she's been really into VR for almost two years and really, you know, looking at how to to enter that field and, and start creating something. And walking out of that uh, escape room experience, she instantly said this would be really cool to do in VR. Uh, and then and we started sort of toying around with an idea for a game based on that simple insight and then got two of her friends involved that she was already building mobile games with and convinced them to start working on VR games. And that's sort of where it all started. And then somehow this story, which is much, much more than just escape rooms, uh, started evolving. Um, yeah, now six months later, we we have a full release out. So we actually released a demo in August, and now two weeks ago, uh, almost to the day, we released a full version of Survive the Deus Helix. Yeah, no, so we, we had a chance to play the demo, and... It was. It's one of the coolest demos out there. I mean, it's very involved, and like you mentioned, the storyline aspect of it, um, I think, is something that is not necessarily. I don't want to say lacking in other games because other games may not have that necessary. Necess- they're not necessarily focused on the storyline. Uh, they might be focused on different experiences, but you know, a big part of gaming, I feel like, or what, at least what keeps people coming back to games, is that storyline aspect and being able to to kind of interact with the story with your own, you know, unique perspective. So. Um, that's, that's really cool, man. Um, thank you. <laughs> Ronnie, I think you had a question. Yeah, no, I, I was just going to add, uh, you know, you, you mentioned your inspiration, uh, from escape rooms and immediately I kind of thought about, um, you know, almost augmented reality and, and I know that's, it's different than virtual re- reality, but let me explain. 
I was thinking about the, uh, I guess, I guess, taking something in the real world and putting it into a into a into a video game world allows you to do things. It allows you to expand upon an experience that people can have in the real world. So that not only are you getting you know the advantages of an escape room, for example, that people could possibly experience for themselves in the real world, but also you know adding on the potential for doing things with that type of an experience that you just sit, simply can't do um, you know in, in, in reality. So I, I was curious as to um, you know whether you guys had focused on on what virtual reality could specifically bring to that experience that. Um, isn't possible in the real world, and kind of, you know, how you went from just the normal escape room kind of experience and expanded that to the narrative that is survive. Yeah, so, so it basically happened organically in a way. So we actually started out just saying, okay, let's mimic more or less the experience we had at the um, physical escape room in Stockholm. And we started actually building like, uh, like an actual escape room. Uh, so actually the, the demo, which is you know the basement where it takes place, the first version of that was a really tiny room. Because hmm. our initial idea was, well, it would be great if you don't have to move around so that the actual space in the virtual world will be exactly the same size as in your home, in your living room, or wherever you, you're playing. Mm -hmm. And we kind of quickly uh, realized that that would, that would turn into a very, very tiny room yeah. and a very tiny <laughs> experience. And I think that sort of, I mean, saying it now, it just sounds stupid, but that was actually our initial plan. But uh, saying it uh, or realizing that, I think that just instantly made us um, think much bigger, saying, okay, so it's an escape room kind of story, but we need to make the worlds and the, the environments much bigger than that. Uh, and then we started, I think that was sort of, uh, sort of ignited us to start actually sort of like strategically think about what kind of experience we wanted to give to people, not just, uh, you know, mimic the escape room thing that we had. And that led us into thinking about, okay, why is VR cool? Why are people attracted to that experience? And, and quickly realized that, well, you know, exploration and more or less escapism, uh, finding or, or experiencing completely different worlds is a cool thing. So could we potentially build a game with a narrative that allows the player to travel to very, very different worlds within the same game experience. That was one of the ideas. And then we, you know, we sort of looked to ourselves, what kind of games do we like? And my favorite game of all times probably is, is Myst from, from the 90s that I, I used to play with my dad. So we were very inspired by Myst and Riven and those kind of titles as well, uh, creating the you know a narrative that doesn't really give you all the information when you start out and then forces you to explore these different worlds and solve different kinds of puzzles and mysteries and also try to figure out sort of the story as you go. Um, so and that's a really good question and that's sort of how it happened. You know, we were completely, we were noobs in the VR uh, <laughs> scene when we started, complete noobs. Uh, and in, in many ways we still are, but now we've been doing this for, for six months. So I think we sort of, expanded our thinking quite a bit in those in those months. Uh, just curious, so had you been developing other titles, I guess non-VR titles, for like a lengthy period before that? Or are, like, is this whole thing kind of new to you guys? Uh, varies. We're, we're a really mixed group of people in terms of uh, gaming experience. Uh, so we both have sort of, I'm more from the 
entrepreneurial slash general digital creative kind of side. I've been doing all sorts of things in my career. I've been running a digital marketing agency. I've been releasing a number of apps that I, I didn't develop myself. I'm not a developer, but I'm sort of an idea person and sort of a storyteller. But then in the team, um, Hampus and Pontus, two weird Swedish names, uh, but they, they are two of the founders. Uh, they are game developers, but they had only built or mainly built mobile games prior to this. I think um, Hampus, who's a 3D artist, he had some experience with you know one small VR project prior to to uh, survive. But beyond that, we just started out, you know, trying it out and experimenting. I think. What happened? Well, I know what happened was that the first two weeks of work, we actually started out in our living room, and two first week we didn't even have uh, a Vive yet. Uh, so I mean, we we released it for the HTC Vive first. Um, so the the two first weeks we just built this sort of blindly, and then when we got the Vive and actually could try it out, we realized that we we had to scrap all of the code basically oh, and man. start over. That's <laughs> the worst feeling. Well, yeah, yeah, but it was it was good. It was still still good because that sort of, I think, that also gave us early on a realization. Okay, VR works differently. Uh, we need to rethink things quite a bit and started doing that fairly early on. Yeah, just curious, uh, coming from you know, kind of the the, you know, since you were you were kind of the I guess, almost like a creative lead and, and storyteller type role on yeah. on the development. Um, what was it? What's it like? Uh, trying to plan for some of the unique challenges that virtual reality brings to um, to story experiences. Like, for, you know, one of the things that I've noticed in some VR titles, uh, especially in the horror genre and other you know genres like that, is that um, you know if a player doesn't have the the right cues as far as what they need to be doing next that sometimes it can kind of break up the narrative a bit and, and cause challenges for moving forward in, in the experience. So I didn't know if, 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 you know, if some of that stuff was also, uh, were also challenges in your project and, and ha to what extent you were involved with trying to solve some of those challenges through the narrative. But um, if, if you could kind of talk about that a moment. Yeah, absolutely. So definitely it's been very challenging. I think, you know, Starting out, we realized, you know, this entire field is so new. There are no blueprints really to to follow in in terms of creating a good VR experience. So um, we, I mean, one side of it is that we early on decided, you know, okay, we're setting out on this journey, and we don't really know where where we're going to end up, and we're pretty sure that we'll make a bunch of mistakes along the way because we don't really know what we're doing here. Uh, so I think one one way uh, for us to tackle it was actually to just you know allow ourselves to fail a lot and and try to you know scrap things as quickly as possible once we realized it wouldn't work. Um, but then it's been I mean we've we've been trying to uh, <laughs> I hear I hear YouTube is not doing its job anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're fine. You're fine. <laughs> uh, no, sorry. Let me let me continue. Um, <laughs> Uh, no, but w what we tried to do was to both create like a very immersive uh, storyline with different worlds, different experiences, and really try to leave the player with an emotional response, while still sort of limiting, limiting, um, like you said, where players could do something we we don't expect, and that would sort of break the narrative. Mm -hmm. So it's actually in terms of in terms of story, uh, there. 
there's a lot of hints and clues everywhere, but very clear story. There's not a lot of. Uh, so you have your your boss, your you know superintendent or subordinate, who's um, uh, Nicodemus Salinger. He's, he's basically your boss, and he's communicating with you through through, through your hand controllers, basically. And what we realized was that he cannot communicate that much with you because mm. that might break the narrative. So mm. it's he, he will reach out to you, you know, in each mission maybe four to five times, mm-hmm. uh, and that's it. So we really need to sort of tell the story, but very, you know, without using too much, too much voiceover and too much words. To actually, tell it. So that was challenging. How do you how do you make a story sort of be be clear enough with that limited amount of voiceover um, mm. and also not be too clear because that's part of the experience to actually sort of figure it out as you go. Very interesting. But yeah. It's definitely been challenging. It still is challenging. I mean, mm. first release uh, or, or, you know, Survive the Deuce Helix is in itself is like five hours of gameplay uh, average and that uh, if people, you know, like it and if we want to keep going the story in itself can actually keep going for much longer uh, so that's going to still be a challenge if we move on with with that title no well i mean it definitely seems like there is uh, some awesome feedback to it i know you guys were ranked by pc advisor one of the top or one of the best hcc vibe games of 2016 this year so congrats on that um, Thank you. And, you know, yeah, just been, it's pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've just been seeing awesome reviews left and right. And I know, I think you and I connected on Facebook initially, uh, and that's that's kind of when I was pointed to the demo. And I, I remember showing it to Ronnie and being like, "Hey, they got a full game coming out. The demo's awesome. We need to get this guy on the show." Thank you. Yeah, it's been. It's, I mean, we've been getting mostly good reviews. Not all good reviews. I don't think anyone will get all good reviews. But considering it's our first VR game, and considering I mean, we're we're kind of proud of ourselves that we made this happen in six months. Uh, with you know, we were five people when we started. Now we're twelve. Uh, so basically, first the first three months we were five people, and for the second half of that, the other three months we were twelve. Um, to be able to actually pull that off and and create a pretty big game in such a short period of time has been very challenging, but it's. It's so rewarding to both get reviews, but I would say, like, primarily to actually see people play your game is amazing. We're sort of, you know, we're addicted to YouTubers playing our game. <laughs> like, the entire studio will just stop and, and watch the entire YouTube video because it's it's so immensely rewarding to actually see people react to things that you designed for them to react to. It's it's, it's a cool experience, I must say. No, I mean I, I couldn't agree with you more. As a, as a fellow creative, it's one of those it's one of those things when you see people who actually like appreciate the work that you put out. Uh, there's there's no other feeling like that. So kudos to you guys for putting something out that you know has had such a positive response so far. Thank um, you. So well, you, I guess you kind of alluded to it. My next question was going to be about the team, uh, and I guess maybe your role specifically in it. I don't know if you wanted to to introduce people on the team, but I guess it's a twelve person team. I don't want to take up the whole podcast, but it's it's. I guess, well, I, I mean, I don't want to limit it either. So I, I just wanted to ask about the team, your role specifically in it. I know you said you're the creative lead, but maybe some of the challenges that you faced, uh, which I guess Ronnie kind of talked about yeah. earlier. But. Well, and maybe also, I mean, what kind of led to, to the need for the expansion and, and kind of how how you see that helping you uh, in your team for future titles. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so my role is is creative director and sort of creative lead slash writer. But really, I must say, like, 
the the game we already created and also the, the work we're currently doing is is very much a cooperative experience. Everyone is adding to the storyline. Everyone is part of you know telling these stories. But like I said, we started out with five. Uh, it was me, uh, Faviana, who's um, an avid gamer and, and our CEO, but he doesn't code or or um, do graphics. And then we had one coder, one graphic guy, and then actually. Uh, my business partner, Johan, who, who knows nothing of gaming, but he knows how to build a company. Um, oh, you so always need those people, real- right? <laughs> yeah, we, we need those people too, how to structure it and stuff like that. Uh, but that was it. And, and we realized quickly that we can't build a game with me just you know telling the story and then two guys building it. It's going to take us a long time. So um, after, re- or sort of, as we released the the demo, we we started looking for more people, and the team, as it looks now, we're uh, we're actually thirteen now. As of yesterday, we added one more guy. Uh, but basically, out of those thirteen, nine are uh, are actually building the game. Uh, we're building the games. Uh, we have uh, three of them are developers for our our 3d artists we have one sound guy and then one qa slash game designer um in in that team and then it's me um fabian our ceo uh yuan and also erica who's our cmo taking care of sort of communications um interacting with with all the players more or less and it's when we started out we actually got a lot of interest from a lot of people who wanted to work with us. I think it's you know partly because we're nice people, but mainly because VR is is so interesting and, and so hot right now. Yeah, uh, So we actually had a lot of you know a lot of people. Surprisingly, many people from big sort of big name Swedish game studios, um, Dice, for instance, hmm. um, actually applying to join our team. Um, and in the end, we we actually went with mostly. Fairly young, fairly new uh, individuals in the gaming industry. They, they they're all sort of uh, skilled and um, they've studied um, uh, gaming primarily at Future Games, which is like the the leading Nordic uh, game developer school. Uh, but we we chose to uh, to go with the team that we felt had sort of the 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 true passion for this, who were more into building really good games and telling really cool stories and really trying to experiment and see where the VR as a medium could, could take us and how we could sort of express ourselves creatively through that medium rather than people who mainly focused on, okay, this could be you know, a multi-million dollar company in a couple of years and I'm, I want to be on that ride. Um, so we're, yeah, we're, we're more passion-driven and that's the kind of team we built right now. And I think that's why we also managed to build this game so quickly because we've been, you know, we can't we can't help ourselves. We just keep building this game day and night and over the weekends and all the time basically because because it's so uh, rewarding and so much fun. No, I mean that's that's awesome, man. Yeah, it's it's great to see how like the team comes together and how like this shared passion for for VR. Uh, has really brought you guys together because I I feel like we've talked to several devs who are like kind of solo developers and you know not to knock any of the games that they make because actually we've we've chatted with some some solo developers who've created some incredible games but I think there's just something that comes with that um, co- 
collaborative effort, like you were mentioning earlier, where people bring different pieces to the puzzle. And, you know, if you're focusing just on one area of a game or of a development, you can really make that area shine while trusting someone else to make the other area shine, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think what, to me, so I've been, I've been doing a lot of things in my career, uh, sort of a lot of entrepreneurial things, a lot of digital things. I've been early in, in many now sort of new digital or, or tech uh, areas. But what really strikes me with, with VR and Survive Studios is that you have these, this group of people come together uh, who are you know, very, very creative, very passionate about what they're, they're doing. Uh, and then we are trying to create something in this new field of VR, which means there are endless possibilities and creatively you know, there are no boundaries. There are so many things that no one has done yet. Uh, but at the same time, it's so challenging because there are, once again, there are no blueprints. So we're sort of, it's sort of this, uh, it's an interesting situation where we're all in this together and we're all super passionate about the potential and, and the creative outlet this medium brings us. And at the same time, it's so challenging that we need to, we need to work so, so close together to actually figure stuff out. Because, you know, on a weekly basis, almost a daily basis, something won't work or, you know, we need to rethink uh, things all the time just because the, the medium is so new and, and we're all sort of, you know, we're, we're sort of trying to explore this uncharted territory and we, we, don't really, we don't know which way to go, so we're trying to go in all directions at once and see which way sort of makes sense. So it's from a both team-building point of view and also creative point of view, It's uh, I think that is one of the main reasons uh, for it being so rewarding and so creatively, you know, uh, fun to work in this industry because it's 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 filled with opportunities, and, but it's also filled with challenges. And when people come together and you know try to try to face a challenge together, that's where true creativity happens. I would say well, that that's really exciting to hear. And I mean, just you know, I, I can tell that you're coming from a place of passion, and, and a lot of the developers that we've interviewed. Um, you know, are, are equally passionate about virtual reality, and I think that uh, you know makes me very, very, very pleased and very you know excited to see kind of where this medium is going to go in the future. I don't know if I mean obviously I'm sure you're hoping that you know your team and other teams like it um, will be able to uh, kind of further map out that virtual reality territory and create some of those blueprints that can help future developers kind of get a sense of, 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 of what's possible in the medium in the future. Um, I didn't know if, if you had any thoughts on, on you know, AAA developers and what they could potentially bring to the VR table because we haven't seen a lot of project from those huge companies um, that, that it sounds like you know, you, you're getting some talent from. Um, kind of what are some of the advantages of a team uh, your size? What are, you know, what are some of the advantages that um, some of these bigger companies might eventually be able to, you know, provide the the virtual reality industry. Yeah, I mean, I, th I think we're all sort of still waiting for the AAAs to <laughs> to fully come on board. I know for a fact that a lot of them are, are working on VR titles. I mm -hmm. think you know, over the next couple of months, we'll see a bunch of those, and I think that's really uh, needed. I mean, what we're we're all sort of in love with this new medium, but there are still bottlenecks and challenges for us to be able to, you know, 
over the coming years make a living doing this and, and one of course is you know hardware distribution uh, it still needs to come into many many more homes than, than VR is today and I think that the, you know AAA titles and the big studios uh, will help in that respect as well because when they start pushing out you know these big big titles and big experiences that will draw more people into VR um, and I for one really look forward to that I think we, we need bigger games and bigger experiences even though you know obviously they will take longer to to develop um yeah, just i think that on, you know on, it's, on oh, that sorry, point actually no go ahead you can finish your thought and then i yeah, something you were saying kind of sparked a question in oh, my yeah. mind so. Cool. so okay so hold that thought hopefully you'll, <laughs> you'll remember it uh no what i wanted to say is that it's you know we need both types of game studios. We, need, we definitely need the AAAs because they've been missing so far. I think that the reason for that, it's fairly obvious. You know, Whenever a new technology arises, it's rarely the big companies who are first to enter that, uh, that space. Uh, it's sort of the, the, the smaller ones, the, the passionate ones who, who really want to get into it no matter what. And, uh, but that also opens up opportunities so what tends to happen is that uh, the bigger players in this case the AAA uh, studios they uh, enter the market once the market is slightly bigger because currently they're making so much money you know doing pc games or console games or mobile games that it, from an economical point of view or it wouldn't make sense for them to focus a lot on vr mm-hmm. yet and mm-hmm. you know in in that when you are such a big player money really m- is what's driving you know most of your decisions because you have all of these employees and you need to keep you know the business going mm-hmm. while if you're a small team of course you sort of need money to 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 sustain your life but it's not what's driving your main decisions you can come from a place of passion and hopefully you know stay in that place of passion for as long as possible um but we need both types of uh, of studios. But I really I look forward to both having those you know big studios as part of the VR industry. But also you know just just playing those titles are going to be awesome. Yeah, no, I I agree. So I guess circling back because it it did have it you kind of some something that you were bring, bringing up kind of you know made me think of like kind of a chicken and chicken or the egg type scenario. So I mean, what do you think is going to be vital to getting VR? Um, you know, bigger and for it to continue to shine going forward. Is it is it a lack of of kind of must have titles? Those those kind of key, or or is it just you know the price of VR headsets are too high right now? Things are a little bit complicated. I mean, one of the things that I think everyone was and still is super excited about was PlayStation VR, just because it would you know expand that high end ver- uh, VR. Um, platform to to a potentially large audience i think recently it looked like the numbers were kind of a little bit lower than what people were hoping obviously those those have all been you know super there all all the expectations were kind of overinflated to begin with but i i if if from from a developer's perspective i mean do you think that that the problem right now is that it's just a little bit too uh you know complicated for the general consumer to get a high-end kit uh, going or is it or is it a combination of both that you know things need to be cheaper and there needs to be more software yeah i would say it's a combination of a few things actually so so first off you know there's all this vr hype 
and it sort of it seems like it's going back and forth almost on a weekly weekly basis. Okay, VR is the future, or then some will say no. You know, PlayStation VR is not selling as expected. Oculus, HTC Vive, not selling as expected. Is it just one big fad or not? Nobody seems to know. Uh, to me, uh, the answer to that question is to just simply try to go back to what what people experience when they try VR, and that is such a strong experience for people and it's something that you want to come back to i know you know if you look at us working with it or, or me personally i i love being in, in vr it's it's even sort of scary i can see that becoming a problem in the future with people being <laughs> addicted to the vr sort of world but you know that comes so with I, every technology i feel so i, yeah, I think the fear I'm, is I'm one of those people who are sort of social media addicted as well so i'm <laughs> i'll probably have to go to some sort of vr rehab in a couple of years. <laughs> but uh, but anyway uh, so i think you know over time VR and this kind of experience is is destined to be huge. It's it, people will want to be in these environments, uh, but at the moment it's sort of you know it's like it's feels like it's balancing. Will it become huge now or not? I think the price point is part of the problem, of course. Um, but looking at all technology, we know that's going to drop. It's just a question of how quickly it's going to drop and become sort of you know more available to to more people worldwide. Uh, I think another aspect that uh, that actually I think two main aspects that are, are coming into play here is one is um, I mean VR presents a completely new type of user behavior uh, that we're not used to. We we don't know those sort of social rules for when do I use my VR headset and not and what type of gaming experiences or, or experiences overall. Um, do I want to have with the headset on and what types of, you know, experiences do I not want to have with a headset on? Uh, how do we interact socially with each other in VR? We don't really have an answer for that because we're not used to having something, you know, <laughs> covering our eyes. Uh, it's a new kind of thing. Um, so I think that will take probably the longest for people and developers to figure out. Okay. Uh, so for, I mean, for instance, our first title survived the DS Helix is, it's a single player title so far and it's you know it lets you uh, explore these worlds for hours and hours uh, but it's something that you primarily do on your own you might have a friend you know next to you looking at the screen saying well look there for a clue or maybe that's the 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 answer to this puzzle or or mystery uh, but it's not really designed for you know uh, a party at home with 20 people it's not that type of um, title so i think we need to figure out how do people actually want to use this medium? When? And when in our daily life does it fit to have it? And then I think another um, issue I know firsthand that it's sort of something I've been thinking about. When, when you look at room scale VR, I actually think that like interior design <laughs> is an aspect here. Because <laughs> uh, I don't think people want to, you know, put the sensors up on, on the walls or, you know, uh, redecorate their entire living room just to get VR experiences. They might want to do it, but I don't think that anyone has really put a lot of thought into that because people want the living room to be nice. You know, for the first month when we were working out of our living room, we had, you know, basically the, you know, the, the coffee table on the couch in a corner. <laughs> it was not a place where you wanted to live. You could play VR. It was great for that, but it's not, you know, you didn't want to have your morning coffee in that same room. So... I think those two things need to be sort of figured out in the long term. Uh, but short term, it's a price point 
and and more. I would say more more software, but also more and, and better hardware. When you know, get the cords away from from the headset. That will help. Um, yeah, inside out tracking and inside out tracking definitely. Uh, and we sort of know it's coming, right? It's uh, that's what everyone's saying, and 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 you know, with the HTC Vive now actually offering a a cordless option already now. I think it's obvious where this is going, and then the question is just how quickly. But to me, it seems like many people are, you know, so stressed out by, okay, is this going to be huge in six months, or is it dying now because the PSVR is not selling as expected? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's too much of a short-term view on things. Yeah. Uh, I think I'm, I'm sure VR is here to stay. We just, I mean, this is it's new to us. It's like. So, so I was around when when social media became huge, and I was one of the uh, partners in a in a Stockholm-based marketing uh, agency that was the first in the Nordics to start working with social media marketing. Uh, and back then, if you looked at how people would behave on Facebook, we were basically kids in the first years of Facebook because we added, you know, everyone, even if we hardly knew them. And then, <laughs> yeah, what, what did we do? You know, we we used these apps. That were about throwing pizza slices and and sheep at each other, and people <laughs> sort of forget. But that was what 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 people were doing on Facebook not so long ago. And now we're slightly older. Now we're sort of the teenagers, just you know, uh, saying, "Look at me, look at me, look at me," and taking pictures of ourselves all the time. So we're sort of growing up in social media. Uh, and now VR is is completely new. And if you look at how people behave in VR, we're sort of I know both me and and Fabiana. Uh, we usually say when we give uh, no speeches about this that VR gamers behave like drunk two-year-olds because uh, <laughs> what we do is like you know we're extremely fascinated by everyday objects it could be a coffee cup and we could stare at it because yep. it's in VR and then one once that you know once you've looked at that and held the coffee cup in, in VR what do you do well you behave like a two-year-old you see if you can break it can I throw this and then everyone will throw stuff around and then they you know you get scared easily it's um, so it's a new medium, and we're just kids in this medium. Uh, so to me, it's obvious this medium is going to be huge. It's going to change society as we know it in so many ways. Um, it's just a matter of how quickly and in what areas will it change first, and how do we figure out how to actually use this medium for us in the best way. Yeah, and that's going to take. It's going to take some time. And then, no, and I think that's really interesting. I mean. Uh, again, to bring up kind of augmented reality coupled with virtual reality, it's interesting how both, you know, both emerging uh, platforms have so much in common, yet they also have kind of their unique, uh, you know, positions as far as you know where it looks like the text heading. Uh, I mean, it, to me, anyways, it looks like aug- augmented reality, though there is some crossover with gaming. Seems to be, you know, trending more towards the business um, productivity yeah. side and virtual reality with you know, the potential of, of escapism and, you know, being introduced to these completely brand new environments kind of is gearing more towards the entertainment, you know, gaming type uh, experiences. I, I think it's a fascinating time. And, and like you said, I, I think whether it's successful now or, or, you know, a few years in the future, once, you know, the tech gets far, further and further, I think it's, it's too compelling of an experience to really go away. I mean, yeah. I fully agree, and I also agree with that analysis of the difference between AR and VR. They're not they're not the same thing, uh, definitely not. And and to your point, there, I really agree that VR it takes you to other worlds. So it's it's the equivalent of you know 
the movie industry or, or you know, if you look in your smartphone, the types of apps that are uh, escapism apps, whether it's Netflix or a game you play, that would probably be VR, while the more functional apps, you know, your, your calendar or weather app, for instance, that's probably, um, you know, better suited for AR. Um, but it seems, you know, these two industries are intertwined and they will, they will sort of follow each other in the next couple of years. Oh, for sure. I mean, I think anybody who anybody who plays VR knows the inevitability of you know it becoming mainstream at some point. And I feel like the detractors just not to call out haters, but you know, I mean, I feel like there's going to be detractors all the time. People who will you know say that you know technology is never going to make it, and you know sometimes they're right. But I just feel like like what Ronnie was saying that it's it's too compelling. People are too involved in it now, and you see the passion in developers like yourself, in you know consumers like me and Ronnie, who like there's there's there is a market for it and like you said it's just a matter of the technology and i guess the culture of vr or you know the vr being able to kind of infiltrate like our culture where whether it's room design or interior design things like that um and how we use it in a social and you know solo aspect all that stuff is going to help shape um you know what vr eventually becomes but i don't think anybody who who has played vr is going to deny that it is coming at some point yeah i mean that's we, that's what we usually say is like, if you're very much a skeptic of VR, you probably haven't tried it. Uh, <laughs> I remember reading, there was a, there was a great quote a little while ago. They're like, there's, there's two people, oh, I'm going to butcher it now. There's, there's two people, there's two, oh yeah, there's two types of people in the world, people who love VR and people who haven't tried it yet. And I was like, yeah, very true. <laughs> <laughs> very, very true. I, I mean, at the same time, but these are, you know, um, the problems you have with new technology we do see some people becoming skeptics because they try a bad VR experience, something that will make you nauseous. And then you just don't dare to put that headset back on because it made you feel, uh, made you feel bad. So I think that's actually also uh, something that potentially uh, is slowing the industry down a bit is both hardware and software that will actually not be enjoyable for people. So, you know, all of us who are developing really have a, a responsibility there to help the industry by actually creating experiences that are are, are good and amazing and not making people sick. Because uh, I, I know, um, for instance, my my dad, who's he's pretty pretty prone to nausea. Uh, he uh, he tried the HTC Vive and it wasn't a problem. He played our game, it wasn't a problem. But the first time he he put on the PSVR headset a couple of weeks back, he was you know he took it off in ten seconds, saying this is not for me. Uh, so I think we, we're going to have those challenges for a little bit as this industry starts growing as well. Um, that might potentially slow us a bit, but it won't, it won't stop the development. Yeah, no, I I agree with you. I mean, I've come across people like that too, who have had a bad first experience and then either had their minds changed after trying, you know, a high end, high end headset, uh, you know, I, like I said, it's, it's, or like you were saying, it's just a, it's just a hurdle that needs to be overcome and, as you know, VR starts to really hit that mainstream or hit that broader audience, I feel like people who did have bad experiences will give it a second try when it does come around. Yeah, so. you know, sooner or later that's going to happen. Uh, and you know, once the headsets become less clunky, and you know, when that happens, which always happens, you know, technology becomes smaller and lighter and better and cheaper. Uh, this is gonna. This is gonna span the world pretty quickly. That's my thinking, at least. For sure. Well, 
So Nils, we want to be respectful of your time. I just have a couple more questions. So the no the f- worries. Go ahead. <laughs> the first, the first is, uh, I guess, what's the future looking like for Survive Studios? I mean, you guys had a great game release. Uh, it sounds like you have a very solid team, and so I don't know if are you guys working on another project? Is there, is there anything you can share with us and, and for people who are fans of the game or fans of you know the work that you guys have put out? Yeah, so we're sort of you know we released the full title two weeks ago, and we basically said since no one no one knows where this industry is going, we said okay, let's release this first title and then think about it and you know listen to people and talk to, amongst each other to see what our next step will be. So obviously the the game is designed to actually be continued. The story uh, will continue. Uh, what we haven't fully decided is is that what we're going to start doing right now, or will we do something else in between? Uh, we actually uh, I can share that much without saying exactly what we'll be doing. But we we spent the last week just game jamming uh, at the office. So we basically split our our team into three teams and and went wild with completely different types of of game ideas <laughs> so we might be developing one of those we might be uh, we will at some point um do a sort of chapter two uh, of survive the ds helix uh but we don't have a date when it's coming out yet i think what we're doing right now is you know we're playing around with a lot of things trying different types of game mechanics trying different headsets those kind of things uh so the, the long-term plan is very unclear right now, uh, except that we'll keep going and we'll keep building and creating stuff. Uh, short-term, what we can say is that um, Survive the DS Helix will be coming out for, for the Oculus uh, sometime early next year. Uh, Q1 2017, we'll be releasing it for Oculus as well. Awesome. Uh, yeah, so that that we can be open with, uh, and then we'll see. There might be more platforms for that game in the future. There might there there will be more titles coming from from Survive Studios, and uh, we'll we'll just keep everyone posted uh, posted as best as we can on on socials and I guess our website as well. Very cool. Well, that that leads me to my my next question or the last question, which is, uh, you know, how can people connect with you? Uh, this is more, I guess, of a, a shameless promotion type of thing, or <laughs> you know, whatever. This is this is your your moment. So I guess you know, for, for yeah. fans of the game, I know you guys are really active on on Facebook, Reddit, on the Steam store, and we're we're gonna link to the game on the Steam store in the in the show notes for anyone who's listening. Oh, cool. And so, uh, but I don't know if there's another alternative way you want people to connect with you, or you know, I don't know. Just yeah, this think, is your, think, your moment. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, those are the main ones. Uh, I mean, we're we're super active on on Facebook, Twitter, Reddit, and and um, Steam community uh, as well. We do have like a mailing list. Uh, if you really want to get the news first, just sign up on our website, which obvi- obviously is uh, survive.com, uh, and survive is spelled in that weird way, which makes uh, it impossible to pronounce. <laughs> so survive, S V R Love the play on the word though. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's sort of we we it started out as a wordplay, and then you know people reacted to it so much, so now we have it in all our communication that it's impossible to to pronounce it. <laughs> we even you know even when we give lectures and stuff, we're like, yeah, hey, we're from Survive Studios. We're just gonna call it Survive. Yeah, that was the idea. So yeah, let's call it Survive. No, and beyond that, I would actually also. We love, um, I, at least so far since we're new and, and small, we love it when people come by our office, uh, which is in Stockholm. So if anyone is listening and happens to pass by Stockholm, uh, feel free to, to to reach out to us and, and we'll treat you to, to some coffee and some, some VR gaming. 
Very cool. Well, I know we do we do have uh, an international audience and quite a few people who might be within driving distance of you. So if you guys are there, you just got an open invitation. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Well, Nils, thank you so much for the time, man. We really appreciate the insight as well. I know we have a lot of developers that listen to the show and, you know, it's it's really cool to see what you've done. And, you know, I, I know for Ronnie and I, we can say that we're really excited for what you guys do next, wherever that direction leads. But, you know, you guys are one of the trailblazers for, for where this technology is going. So, you know, just, just keep rocking it, man. Thank you. Thank you guys both for having me and for making such a great podcast. All right. Take care.